We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Stories. We all like them. Heck, some of us even like to tell them. But have you ever stopped to tell your story? Have you ever reflected on your story to the current position you find yourself in leadership or anywhere for that matter. Well, today's guest, Dr. Rachel Edoweket, has definitely done that. And she explains how all of us can benefit from our own story in her recent book, The Principal's Journey, Navigating the Path to School Leadership. You see, in that book, she provides a helpful and practical blueprint for educators to follow as they transition into new leadership roles. We had a great conversation, and one of the huge takeaways I had is her phrase, talent spotting. How do we find people to tap on the shoulder to become teachers and then leaders and move up and up and up so they can have a greater effect on more people? It's interesting that our conversation led to the idea that You can't always self-promote. Yes, you should talk about yourself and the benefits that you can add to any organization, but to truly move forward, you need people speaking your name outside of your building or current area to open opportunities to increase your ability to lead. And that every single interaction you ever have is an interview for the future. How powerful is that to really recognize And say out loud that every time we interact in the present, we're affecting our future. That works for careers, goal setting, relationships, anything. Finally, Rachel gives us three fantastic tips as leaders if we're truly to realize our fullest potential by positively impacting all of those around us. Look, this was a great conversation. You are not going to want to miss it. I encourage you to reach out to Dr. Edoeket after listening to this show. And don't forget, subscribe and leave an honest rating and review so that not just you get to hear them as they come out, but others get to hear people like Rachel Edoeket on Scene to Lead. Now, as I always like to say, let's get to getting better with Dr. Edoeket on Seeing to Lead. Let's talk about flex time in schools. The potential benefits to our students make it worth exploring. More time for personalized learning, increased choice and agency for students, and the increased engagement that comes along with it. Dedicated time for intervention. Overall, as school leaders, it gives us and our faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be a challenge. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold us back from ensuring students make good use of their time. I'm pleased to share 
that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and an intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. Want to see for yourself? Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. I'm glad that I have that story because it, it's such a big part of me and how I then understood I need to lead with empathy. I need to understand what people are experiencing before I make any assumptions. I need to listen to what their needs are and find ways that I can best serve them. Dr. Chris Jones here and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thought dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Dr. Rachel Edoeket is a wife, mother, principal, public speaker, and author. With decades as a teacher and leader in public education, she has earned the reputation as a strong instructional leader, passionate educational advocate, and dedicated mentor. As the principal of a top-ranked school in Maryland, she is a lifelong learner who strives for excellence not only for herself, but also for everyone she serves. Dr. Edoeket's belief in fostering meaningful relationships serves as the foundation for everything she does, and her highly effective teaching and leadership style continues to inspire up-and-coming aspiring teacher leaders. During her educational career, she has proudly served as a classroom teacher, instructional team leader, mentor, teacher, assistant principal, and principal. Her book, The Principal's Journey, Navigating the Path to School Leadership, provides a helpful and practical blueprint for educators to follow as they transition into new leadership roles. Dr. Edoeket holds a bachelor's in early childhood and elementary education from Temple University, a master's in curriculum and instruction from McDaniel College, and a doctorate in leadership and professional practice from Trevecca Nazarene University. This is going to be a fantastic conversation today because in following Dr. Edoeket, I find a lot of things she says inspiring, and she explains different aspects of leadership that I would like to adopt and make sure I bring into my own leadership on a daily basis. So, Dr. Edoeket, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I really appreciate this opportunity. I'm excited to have a conversation with you, especially you know, um, with the book that you wrote and the, the journey that you've had. So I figured I would just open it up with that by asking you to fill the listeners in a little bit or explain to them how you navigated your path to the principalship. Yeah, so my pathway is quite different as every leader has a different pathway. I will start by saying that I never intended to be a school principal. So I always like to say that because sometimes leaders know exactly what they want to do and they go after that goal. And other times, leadership kind of finds us and with the right mentors in place helps us to get to where we're going. 
And so my story is that I'm a third generation educator. My grandmother had her degree in uh, education and library. My mother has her degree in education. And I have always wanted to follow in their footsteps. And so I knew from the very beginning, I wanted to be a teacher. But I didn't think about leadership at that time. I was focused on being the best teacher that I could be. So I began my career in the middle of the year, actually taking over a kindergarten classroom. And that was challenging and rewarding for a number of reasons. I like to tell the story that my my first day on the job, I was holding a meet and greet for my families. And I was so excited. I had lemonade and cookies set up for the parents. And I had only one parent show up. And I was so excited to introduce myself. At that time, my maiden name was Clinton. I said, hi, I'm Miss Clinton. I'm so excited to meet your son and, and work with him this year. And she said, you know what? I don't need to know any details about you. All I need to know is, are you going to be here for my child or not? And that was really enlightening to me because I didn't understand what my families had gone through before. So let me give you a little bit of context. To start the school year, this kindergarten classroom was added two or three days before the school year started because of higher enrollment. So they started pulling children from other classrooms who had already met their teacher and to make the sixth classroom. And so they had a substitute to start the year because they needed to hire a teacher for that room. Well, once they hired the teacher, unfortunately, she had to resign due to illness. So they had another substitute. So by the time I graduated college mid-year from Temple, I was the fourth person, the fourth adult that these five-year-olds had seen. And this was only by January. So by January 2nd, I was so excited to start my teaching career but I had no idea what the students and families had experienced. And so it was eye-opening for me to have that as my first interaction with a family. But it helped me to understand the importance of building relationships. So my first response was, absolutely, I'm going to be here. I'm committed to this classroom. And that was the truth. I looked that mother right in the eye and she and I are still very close to this day. And her son is wonderful, has graduated college, is doing great things. And so... I'm glad that I have that story because it's such a big part of me and how I then understood I need to lead with empathy. I need to understand what people are experiencing before I make any assumptions. I need to listen to what their needs are and find ways that I can best serve them. So I went through that first year. We closed out the year on an amazing high note, just wonderful children, wonderful families rebuilding that trust being that ambassador, uh, kindergarten, you're an ambassador. You're the first family, you know, the first teacher that those families meet, that the children are interacting with. Everybody remembers their kindergarten teacher. So I really appreciate and have appreciated that experience of being a kindergarten teacher. I also taught first and second grade. And so I had been in the classroom at that time for about nine years. And I'd had the opportunity to open two new schools in my district, one as a classroom teacher. But the second time, as an instructional team leader. And that is where I had the opportunity to learn, to have that seat at that leadership table, to take responsibility for other members of my team, to organize events for the school and for my team that I had not done before. And that's where I started to build my leadership. And my principal at the time said to me, Rachel, I think you could run a building one day. I see that in you. And I said, absolutely, not interested. I love kindergarten. I love what I'm doing. And she said, okay. And she just would continue to 
invite me. Rachel, can you do this? Can you sit on this meeting for me? Can you provide me with feedback? I'd never had a principal ask me for feedback. I love that about my principal, my former principal. And so over time, I began to see myself in that role. And I also began to see, wow, if I could impact a class of 25 people, what could I do in a school? Like, how could I expand my reach and my influence? So that's when I started getting interested in school-based leadership, went back to school to get my admin one certification, and I was promoted to assistant principal my second year in that school. And there, from there, I have, I was an assistant principal for four years and I'm currently serving at the same school as principal. So I've been now as an administrator at my same school for nine years. So my story is different, but it's one I'm very proud of. But your story is so powerful. I mean, you mentioned a few things in there that I would just love to go back and unpack a little bit with you because, you know, you say your story is different, but whose is it, right? We all have right. a winding road to get where we go. I was going to ask you before you said it was your principal that if you would remember who tapped you on the shoulder. Yes. I mean, right now we're looking at a shortage, a very real shortage from the top down. Superintendents are short, but yes. that's because principals are short. Principal is short because assistant principals. So, and so on and so on. Yes. And so you talk about leadership finding us. And you talk about a person that tapped you on the shoulder. How can we as leaders find other leaders or help leadership find them, so to speak? What do I do with that? That's a great question. And I agree with everything you said regarding the shortage and the pipeline issues. So there's a couple ways that I like to try to do some talent spotting. But number one, I'm looking for excellent teachers. If you are an excellent teacher, if you know how to communicate with your students and build that relationship, if you know how to personalize their learning, if you're able to work with families and have those hard conversations, talking about where students are, where you want to take them, and you're effective in your role, I always like to start there because a lot of the best administrators that I know were excellent teachers and they could really give that instructional support to new teachers and to veteran teachers. So my eye is first looking at really strong, hardworking teachers as potential leaders. But I'm also looking for people who take initiative, you know, the personality of how can I help you? How can I jump in and collaborate? Because there's so many different qualities that can make up a really strong principle. Uh, and I think we as principals have such a level of influence, just like my former principal had on me. The fact that she said to me, I see this in you well before I saw it in myself is the only reason why I'm sitting in this seat. And so what we say matters to people and how we work to mentor and develop and promote them means a lot as well. We all know you might be the best, you know, up and coming leader in your school. But if no one knows you outside of your building, then you're going to have a hard time getting that promotion and moving forward. However, if you have mentors that are going to speak your name outside of your school, that are going to really support and promote the work that you're doing, that are going to trust you and you do a nice job with that, then that's your ticket into your next level of leadership is really having those sponsors and people who can advocate for you and letting your, your work speak for itself. That's the other big piece. You have to do the work if you're going to be successful. Yeah, there's no shortcuts, that's for sure, into no. this position. And, you know, it's interesting what you say about how you have to have other people speak your name 
outside of your building because we, right, we talk about the visibility aspect of leaders or how you even get into that network to be noticed as somebody that a good leader or has the possibility to grow into a better leader. And we often get caught up with the humility aspect, right? We don't want to talk about ourselves because then we look boastful and we try to be humble. How can leaders bridge that gap? Say they don't have a mentor that's going outside to speak their name. Say they've, they've worked hard, they're collaborative, they've been persistent, and they want to make some opportunities for themselves. Is there a way to do that without being seen as conceited? Yes, I absolutely think so. I think there's a number of things. And some of the things that I talk about in the book regarding finding a mentor, sometimes if you're fortunate, you will have a principal or an assistant principal in your building that can talent spot you. But sometimes that doesn't happen. But that doesn't mean your talent isn't there. So I would always suggest being proactive. So I talk about how to find a mentor in my book. So what you might want to do is look within your district. Because remember, you're one school, but there are multiple schools within your district and multiple levels and leaders amongst all of those levels. And so if you see someone in your district that you admire or that is doing something that you want to do, I always encourage people to make that first contact. Step out, if it's via email, if it's via phone, making that first contact, telling people what your goals are. I want to be an assistant principal or I want to be a principal and I want to hear your story. I want to learn about how you did it. I'm the type of person that if you approach me and you are serious and you say, I want to go to the next level, I just need some support, I will 100% help you. And a lot of people are like that because I think, as you mentioned, Chris, we all know where we are in education right now. We're struggling to provide teachers. We're struggling for assistant principals, district leaders. All of us are struggling and we need to build up the next group of people. Another thing that I would suggest is within your district, there's always opportunities for you to serve. So one might be on a policy committee. We're always needing people for policy committees. We always need people to work in central office on projects. Sometimes they'll say like, even the union might say, I need a teacher representative. That's actually how I started. I started as a representative on a policy regarding teachers. And I was a representative for my teachers in the district. I learned so much from sitting on a policy about assessments. And what happened in the future? Well, a lot of those people who were on the policy with me two or three years earlier, they had been promoted into central office roles or assistant principals and principals. And they were on my panel when I was getting ready to be an assistant principal. So it was nice to look around and say, oh, I remember you from the policy committee or I remember working with you on this. And this brings me to my next point. When you are working in your building and outside of your building, everything is an interview. People are always watching you. So you have to remember to represent yourself as best as you can because you never know how later you'll see the same people around. Those relationships that you're building, the work that you put in, the way that you speak to people, the questions that you ask, how engaged you are. People remember that about you. They'll tap you to do something else in the future. Ideally, we want people to say, hey, I saw your work here. Can you join this committee? And that's what happened with me. I was on one committee. I was asked to be on a second committee. Then I was asked to be on another committee. And at that time in my career, everything was a yes. If you asked me to do something, it was a yes. And I'll figure out how to do it well. Now I have a little bit more latitude. I'm on the opposite side say, well, this is getting a little bit too much on my plate. And I need to be more, you know, have more discretion 
with what I'm taking on because I want to do things well. But in the beginning of your career, you are building experiences. You are building leadership. So you want to take on as many things as you can because, fun fact, this job is very demanding. It's not going to get any easier. So you're going to have to learn how to juggle multiple things, including your family and your friends. You know, while you're saying that, I mean, and you just walked through the perfect plan for finding a mentor and, you know, being able to support your goal setting. But one of the things that kept going over and over in my mind when you were saying that is success leaves clues. When you look for somebody that is successful or you look for somebody that you look up to or admire, you reach out and ask them those authentic questions about how they did what they did and what you want to do. I mean, you always have to share what you want to do because that's how they can serve you best. Because being in those positions, they obviously serve people. And that's how they got there. And just the idea that the success leaves clues piece that when you do all these little things that don't immediately show progress, when you do get there and you look back at how far you've come, it's just amazing to see the path. So, I mean, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing your path, how you went from committee to committee and then notice those people are out. I, you know, Something else, and going back to just that first opening question, something else that I've been wondering about, and you explained it wonderfully for people moving up into the principalship, but something stuck out to me about that piece that you shared. And it was, you were a teacher that got into a classroom the middle of the year and what that classroom had gone into. Now, my argument, and I don't know what your hiring process was or anything like that, my argument would be at that point, you can relate to this, you're looking for somebody to put in that classroom. Yes, you know that the students have had this bad experience, the parents have, but when it comes down to it, you need somebody in that classroom. How can leaders be very purposeful about finding that person? And when I write it down, that is all caps because the rule filled, and clearly from where you've gone in your life, you were that person. You were the person that was needed in that spot for those students because of what they had suffered up to that point. How can we do that as leaders? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm going to give you one more story. Here we go. So I had gone out on maternity. Yes, I'd gone out on maternity leave with my infant twins four years into my career and I became a stay-at-home mother. So that was another pathway that I thought I was going to be staying at home for the longer term. And I received a call mid-year from the same school saying they had a similar situation that the teacher was out and they knew I could take on that class because I had done it before, this time in second grade. And so I spoke with my husband. We looked at the timing of things. Well, it was a little early. That was a change. But it was a change that we were welcome and welcoming to take on. And it was the same process. I knew exactly. I came in. I spoke very honestly and authentically with the parents. I spoke with the students. I built those relationships with those second graders at the time. And another kind of full circle moment, years later, we had a redistricting in our district. And when I was promoted to my current school, those students were now in fifth grade and many of them were new to my current school. And so when they heard my name, that I was named as the assistant principal, I got all my emails from the families saying, we are thrilled that our kids know you because they were a smaller group coming to the new school. So again, relationships matter. Now, fast forward to today to answer your current question. 
we were in a similar position this fall. Unfortunately, we hired a kindergarten teacher and due to illness, she had to resign two weeks into the school year. Same thing. I called the parents. I said, I want you to know we're in this situation, but I'm going to be very patient because it has to be the right person. As you said, it's got to be that person. And at that point in the year, now we're looking at mid-September, there were not a lot of applicants. And the applicants that we had a lot of choices because we were not the only vacancy in our district in elementary school. And so we had put some offers out for people that we thought would be a great fit and it wasn't the best fit. We were not selected or some other circumstances occurred. And so at that point, I said to the families, as an update, this is going to take longer than we thought. And I want you to trust me. I said, this is how I started my career. We will get the right person for you, but I need you to trust me. And every parent said, we trust you. I know you're taking great care. I can name every student in that class because I was in that class every single day. I know those families because of the, you have to know the families that you're supporting, particularly in this instance. I knew the students by name. I could, every time I saw a parent, I'd say, you know, your child did today. Just in passing, when I would see them in, you know, car loop or dismissal, I made sure to make sure I connected with families in this particular classroom. And about, I would say about a month and a later, we were able to work with the university partnerships and start interviewing teachers who were going to be graduating in December. We started that process interviewing them the first week in October. And we are happy. Our new teacher just started this week. Her first day was Tuesday. And we loved her. She sat down in that interview. And before we started, I said, I want to tell you about this class. I said, these are wonderful students and wonderful families. And the person we hire must be committed, must be committed 100% to this role. And I told my story. I've done this before. I know I'm going to support you. I, I, we, we know what worked. We just need to make sure it's the right fit. And we knew when she spoke about her passion for children, when she spoke about her instruction, I immediately could envision what her classroom was going to look like. And I thought about, boy, these students really are going to enjoy this teacher. And so we hired her and it's been wonderful. Had a meet and greet with the families. Lots more families showed up than the one that I had. <laughs> and we was right around conference time. So she was able to sit in with the substitute teacher, the long-term sub that we had in place, who was also excellent. And they did it together. So the families got that one-on-one -on -one time immediately with her. She met with every single family and we transitioned her this past week. And it's been beautiful. It's been wonderful. So, yeah. So principals and uh, APs, as you are looking for like, what is that kind of the it factor? Definitely someone who can speak to their relationships with children and their why they want to, you know, what sort of impact they want to have. On it, you know, certainly we looked at the references and make sure that this is someone who we can trust. But really, I wanted to hear, can they take on what is going to be required? Because it's not the same situation as hiring someone in June or July. This was a very different situation. So we needed someone who could handle some of those additional pressures that would, that they would encounter. You know, I love two things that you said. I, I love a lot more than that about what you said, but two of the things that really stuck out is patience. Oftentimes we get to run around, we try and just make quick decisions to get that box checked and get it done. Patience is super important. And that you actually said out loud the it factor. 
because that is a truth that sometimes people don't want to pay attention to and get tied up in pedigrees, papers, things like that, instead of looking at what that person as a person, their why, what they're passionate about that really puts them over the top. So thanks for highlighting those two. And and then, I mean, the other thing that you highlighted that we all to make sure we do right is trust and how that, that your community will trust you if you communicate honestly and open. And early. And early. And early. And early. Early and often. (laughs) And early. I said from the very beginning, I'm sorry this happened. You know, this happened an hour ago. And we will take care of your children during this process. I was very explicit. I was emailing them weekly to bi-weekly just so they knew where we were. Oh, so just so that you're aware, I know we've gone into another month. We are still interviewing candidates because as I promised you, we will get the right person. And that was part of my letters in the language. I was very clear that we were going to take that process step by step and we would not rush the decision. That's such good stuff. That's perfect. I know a lot of people right now are probably making mental notes or writing something down saying to make sure that they use that patience and they communicate early. So that's good. Yes. Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. So my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal, by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader. SeeingToLead.com. You know, you've had such a journey to where you are now or the, or the principalship where you, where you are now that you tell stories about and you're weaving through. So now you've written this book, The Principal's Journey, Navigating the Path to School Leadership. Why the book? Yeah, so I have always wanted to be an author. And part of my holdup was there wasn't enough time. But what I came to realize is there's never enough time. Time is the same. We all get 24 hours, seven days a week. It is the choice that what we do with the time that makes the difference. So when I look back, I said, wait, I've written a dissertation before. I found time to go through those programs. I can find time to write the book. But the why behind the book was every time I talked with aspiring leaders, sometimes I would do seminars. Other times I've taught like as a guest professor at our local universities, there were always people who would come up to me afterwards and say, I really love what you're doing. How can I do it? How can I get there? And so what I learned is during the most books around education are about what to do when you're in the position, but very few talked about start to finish how to get there. So for me, I thought, well, I've been blessed with these amazing mentors, but everyone doesn't have a mentor. So my book can serve as a mentor guide. So I start from the very beginning. 
What are the challenges? What are the rewards of the job? Because first, I think we need to be explicit to understand what are some of the things you're going to have to do if you're going to be successful? Because maybe by chapter one, you you read and you say, wait, never mind. This may not be what I want to do. This might not be the right time, right? But if you go on to chapter two, I'm going to tell you how to get a mentor. I'm going to provide you with different questions to ask your mentor. Talk about what qualities you should be looking for in a mentor. Because not everyone is going to be the perfect or a great mentor for you, particularly if they have different visions or different styles. That's not going to be helpful to you because you want to find someone who's aligned with what you want to do and what you envision. So if you, it's best to work with someone who has similar style or something you want to emulate. And then I talk about resume, cover letters. I give you interview questions, all the things that you're going to need to get your foot in the door. And then the rest of the book is around when you're there, setting the vision, having positive culture. How do you navigate hard conversations? That's a huge part of being a leader. There's no getting around that. I give you strategies and tips for that and examples. I talk about creating a work-life balance because that is something I personally struggled with for many, many years, but now I'm in a better place and I feel like I can provide people with some strategies now. And my claim to fame is I have my boundaries so tight, I wrote a book during the time, right? I'm somebody who was promoted during COVID-19. That was my first year in the principalship. I almost did not make it out of those three years because I continued to question whether or not this role was best suited for my particular skill set because I had nothing to compare the principalship to. I started during COVID-19. 2019, 2020 was my first year. But I'm so glad to be on the other side and to be experiencing this because I feel like I have some information that I want to share. And I want to let people know this job is doable. It's a wonderful job. You have to make it your own and you'll make mistakes and you just move on from the mistakes. Of course, that's a part of any learning. But the work that we do is so important that if I would have left early, I would have missed opportunities to impact children and families the way that I'm doing it now and to impact future leaders. So I'm glad that I stuck it out because I'm now having the opportunity to connect with up-and-coming leaders, up-and-coming principals, and it's been amazing. It's been amazing. I could talk to you for hours. (laughs) (laughs) Just some, I mean, the things that you're saying, just like I said at the very beginning when I opened this, that, you know, a lot of the things that you talk about, I just want to make sure I take and implement in my daily leadership practice. I couldn't, you know, COVID ended it for a lot of veteran principals who had been through their things that, you know, were very difficult, ended the career yes. for other people. So, you know, the idea that you went through COVID and, and were brought to that break and then, you know, still pushed through, you know, and, and, and as far as it being a great job, I always answer the, that question by saying it's the toughest job you'll ever love. Yeah. It's just the the ability to impact people and what you can do for students and teachers is amazing. So, yeah. you know, I, I say I could talk to you forever, but we're not going to do that today anyways. <laughs> so there are, um, there are two questions I ask every person that comes on the podcast. If you want a leader, who, not what would you be? Yeah, I would be the same person that I am today. I have looked back and I thought a lot about this question. And I look back over my time as a child all the way through now. And first, I was a student athlete. I had been playing 
soccer since I was in fourth grade and learning about teams and different group dynamics and personalities and working towards goals. That's been a part of me. And then by the time I was in high school, I was my high school president. I still am. I still organize uh, with a small group of people, all of our reunions. They know I'm a go-to person. So that has been a part, that leadership piece. And even now, I serve in the community outside of the principalship. So every two years, I'm working on the election. And I've learned that was actually during the COVID-19. They said, hey, we need people to work on the board of elections. And I thought, I'm able-bodied. And I, I need to learn about this process. So why not? So it, it really started as a community service idea. And I'm working to bring more people into that process because it's an important community service. And I love interfacing with people during those elections once or twice a every, you know, every cycle and um, getting to know the community more. It's been a wonderful learning opportunity for me. And I love learning new things. So if I can connect learning with service, that's who I am. That's a fantastic answer. And it really, I mean, you're talking about connecting learning and service and what else makes the foundation of good leadership, but learning service. <laughs> so with all we've talked about, what's the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to better support, engage, and empower those they serve? I would say definitely keep your ear to the ground. And that can look differently for many people. But when you serve a very large community, so I serve, we have almost a thousand students. I have a hundred and about 30 or 40 staff members and lots more families. It's very important to me to have a pulse of what's going on. So number one, be actively engaged in your school community. And that looks a lot of different ways. But it's as simple as every day I'm outside greeting children and families as they're entering. And I'm one of the last people that they see when I leave, when they leave the building. And so that alone, just having your presence outside means a lot to family. That means rain, shine, sleet, hail, snow, rain boots. They know I'm outside. Now I have lots of different shoes for those purposes, but the What I have heard from families, and this is confirmation for me, let's say their child has a situation that is not positive in that moment. And I call them and I say, hey, this has occurred. When I hear a family say, I know you, Dr. Edoweket, and I know that you're going to take care of my kid. That means a lot to me. Now, I know some parents better than others. That's the truth. Just because sometimes we're in contact with some families more than others and the relationships are different. But it's really impactful when I hear a parent that I don't, that my perception, I don't know as well. They say, I know you because you know my kid. I love that. So definitely be actively engaged. And then keeping your ear to the ground. It's hard in this role as administrators because sometimes we don't always get the full story. We get portions. We might ask for feedback. We may not always get the truth. So making sure you have people on your staff that other people trust that will give them information and then you follow up with them and say, hey, how was the reaction to that email? Or, hey, how are people feeling right now? What is, what do people need? Because you can also utilize members of your team. Again, you're only one person. But if like, if they trust other people in the building and we know who those people are, and if you have a relationship with them, they will be honest and telling you, okay, Rachel, hey, this is bubbling up. You need to be aware of this. Or 
The staff really love this activity. Can we do it again in another month? Absolutely. So our staff right now, we do potlucks. We have a, a teacher development leader who she has done this monthly and it's amazing. You would be surprised just the, the small things that we can organize that really help the morale of our staff. That means a lot. So I would say the last thing is choices. So when you have the choice to sit in your office, because we have choices, right? When you have the choice to sit in your office or to go out, I encourage you just to go out. The reason is because, you know, as an administrator, whenever we're walking around, the first thing they say is, oh, that's the person who I wanted to see. I have this question for you. Or I have this problem. Can you help me with it? If the more things you can do like that by being on the ground, being responsive to people, being present. Oh, yep, I have someone who, someone just mentioned that. I'm going to connect you with that person. The flow of the building, the culture is just building positively there because staff knows they can trust you. If you're in a situation where you make the choice to stay in your office, your staff may or may not feel comfortable trusting you because they don't see you. So some of it is just human nature. We are familiar with the people that we see the most. And so as an administrator, it's really important to remember, be out present with your staff, with your kids, with your families as much as possible because you'll get grace in that way. When you make a mistake, and I mean when, because we are going to make mistakes, they will say, but I know that person. I know Rachel really well. And so I'm going to give her a pass this time. (laughs) So there the total benefits to just being out and about. Big benefits to that. That's fantastic stuff. You know, you're talking about just to make sure we go back to it because I think those are three really important points. The idea of keeping your ear to the ground, making sure you're actively engaged and making those right choices as they come up. You put a big smile on my face with the bus duty piece because I do bus duty every morning, rain, to a degree weather. And then we just had one of our major events of the year this year. We have what we call soup day. And the whole support center, all the counselors and everybody, they make soups. And so the whole staff gets to come down for throughout the lunch, different points, we all circulate through and get soup. I love that. Yeah. Culture stuff. It all works well. Yes. Well, Rachel, I I can't thank you enough for coming on on the show and telling all these people these things and making all these good points about leadership and, you know, talking a little bit about your book. I have to encourage everyone to make sure they get their copy, The Principal's Journey, Navigating the Path to School Leadership. Thank you. Useful in any position. If you're a teacher listening to this, thinking about it, get the book and do it. Act on it. If you're a sitting principal or administrator, get the book and act on the things that you don't already do in the book because it's such a it's such a good resource. So thank you. No, I mean it, you know, and for people to get in touch with you, right? Because it's good to read a book, but it's even better if they can reach out to somebody, especially if they're looking for a mentor. Yeah. We we've talked about that somewhere. But if they want to reach out to you, how can they do that? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, so thankfully, there's not that many Rachel Edoweckets in the world. So you can find me on Twitter at Rachel Edoweckett, which is that's some spelling of my name. Same with LinkedIn at Rachel Edoweckett and YouTube as well at Rachel Edoweckett. Instagram is where I'm probably the most active and that's at The Principal's Journey. So the title of my book. And I love connecting with new people. I love hearing about people getting promoted and 
hearing their stories and how the book is helping them. So I'm just extremely appreciative again, Chris, for this opportunity and look forward to connecting with your listeners. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you would like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast today, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating or review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Also, one last thing. Have you had a chance to pick up my latest five-star rated book yet? Grab your copy of Seeing to Lead anywhere you buy books or at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com where you can learn more and continue to improve. Now go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.